Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I have the privilege of speaking with Amikela Gaston today. This has been a recording that we've been trying to do for, I think, a few months now. So I'm so glad that we finally yeah. got to connect. <laughs> ah, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here, I'll just read you a little bit about um, Amikela's uh past works and stuff so you can get a feel for who she is and why I was really excited to have her on the podcast. So it says, Amikela is proclaimed as one of the purest contemporary voices by National Public Radio, NPR. She is a public keynote speaker, performer, educator, and author. She travels the world serving as a cultural arts ambassador for the State Department and is the founder of the International Cultural Arts and Healing Sciences Institute and co-executive director for World Trust Educational Services Organization. She Yay. has 25 years experience in the, I'm not done. You have so much, oh. <laughs> so much to share. <laughs> With over 25 years experience in the behavioral health arena, Ami Kayla has been bringing together artists and healers of all forms and specialties to promote healing and wellness through the arts and activism. And her international program of public dialogue is designed to allow different traditions and nationalities to gather together and address issues concerning our communities at large. I'll stop there. There's so much more. You have such a wonderful uh, bio, but we'll we'll get into all of it anyway, or some of it, or as much Fabulous. as we can. So, all right. Well, here we go. Let's get into it. Yay! Welcome. Hi, First of all, I'm so super <laughs> jealous that your last name is Singer. Oh, how lucky <laughs> are you? <laughs> what was that? I said, how lucky are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It, it, yeah, if you knew my history, it's so ironic too, because it's actually, it was my birth name, but now not my legal name because I oh completely my changed my name at one point in my 20s. Um, so, but I've gone back to using it and I just haven't bothered going through the legal process. That I've, it's I've so fantastic. Thank I mean, you. literally what he can't go Oh, wrong. oh I, hold on. I have to unpin myself. I don't, I want people to see you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yay. So, I mean, I think that's great. That's great. Anytime you have a, a name that, uh, elicits the response of like heartfelt opening, like singing. What, what could go wrong? What could go I wrong? I know. I know. That's so true. What does your name mean? Do you know? The yes. Yes. Amikela means uh, uh, beloved warrior or one who fights for love. That's the. Really... Oh, I love that. That mm -hmm. feels very fitting, too, based on what Thank I just read you. about you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's in many languages. It means different things. Like I found out in um, Brazil, it means eagle and Scandinavian. It means like something the else. whole thing. I mean, the whole thing. I know. Oh, wow. I thought it was all like, you know, my spelling <laughs> is different than everything else, but otherwise it, you know, Michaela comes from Michael comes from truth. Ami comes from friend and love. And so you mash them together. Yeah. You get all kinds of <laughs> incarnations. Yeah. Language is fascinating like that because there's so many similarities across different languages that seem to have nothing to do with travel, but just sort of like our general understanding of how so sounds true. should, you know, feel or mean. Right. Like, ah, ah yeah. has kind of a universal like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> or ooh, or yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I totally. love etymology. It's one of my most favorite things. Like I found out from a friend of mine who is an astrologer and she also loves etymology that consider means with the stars. So before you do anything, exactly, honey, you no. should consider. Yes. Con 
sitter. Sitter means with the stars. You should be with the stars before you do anything. Oh I was like, gosh, that, that's brilliant. Hello. <laughs> why don't we do more study of that? Yes. Yeah. You know wow. how to move in the world. True, right? That that is really cool. Con- wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's something to consider every time you, you use that word. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get involved with like, I mean, it seems like you have quite a big, like, um, how should I say, like administrative sort of force behind you or with you. Um, was that the goal or did you just sort of stumble into that? When you mean administrative, do you mean like, well, like you, the state department? Yes. Like working. Yeah. Sorry. Maybe that's not the jargon. Listen, no, because administrative, that could be over here with world trust. It could be being the head of a nonprofit, you know, like blah, blah. Um, Yes. Uh, You know, it's funny. I grew up in DC. My mother was the assistant surgeon general for, I don't even know how many years. Um, And yeah, so being, intertwined with the government and part of the structures that help kind of um, delineate systemic change is really uh, my childhood slash life slash understanding. So I feel very comfortable in those spaces, but also uh, need to continuously challenge them, right? You have a lot of things that have been put into place systemically um, that need a a revamp and a judge. They need to be looked at and they need to be analyzed. And so that's part of the work that I do with World Trust as well. And so it's really um, kind of fun to use arts as advocacy, to look at ways that we can kind of revisit things that are is in our world and um, get curious about it, get radically imaginative. Why is it that way? How can we change it? How can we make it better? I love the they, them movement that's happening right now and the whole reclaiming of, you know, self-identifying your gender. And um, that's a huge systemic shift that a lot of people are still grappling with and having to to make because people identify differently all the time. Mm-hmm. How, how do you see that like practically or how, how do you um, what does that look like on a daily basis for you or on a monthly on a, basis? Absolutely. On a daily <laughs> basis, um, it plays into how we talk to one another. So for example, um, I was supposed to be in Russia and Ukraine right before the war started. And because of everything that happened with respect to the war, I do, I couldn't go obviously, but on this front, we got to talk about all the different ways that systemically we need to be not just interacting on a political level, but also on a cultural level. So a lot of the artists that I have been talking to and continue to talk to from the Ukraine were being persecuted because they chose to continue to sing traditional songs. And so when you do things to have, you know, cultural warfare, Mm. you target those things. You target art, you target spirituality, you target Mm. the soul of a people. And so on a daily basis, we have to talk about continuously how we talk to our souls one-on-one together to really make sure that we're speaking and hearing one another in an authentic and real way. So it isn't just like, hi, how are you? Fine, thanks, bye. There's never going to be any bridges built or rivers crossed with this kind of um, surface level connectivity that we've been trained to do because- Mm. There are so many other things to look at. Netflix watch, binge on TikTok. There are other ways that we uh, can, quote unquote, engage with the world without engaging at all with one another. And that's going to keep us divided. And so every day 
all day is a call for me and the organizations that I work with and, and head up to get people to be in real connectivity with one another. What does it mean to talk to each other? What does it mean to express, create, share thoughts and feelings, understandings, misunderstandings, and not just move into cancel culture, move into self-silencing, move into quiet quitting. All of those things play into a need for a daily interactive moment. And with COVID, it's challenging. You know, you don't have to. You can stay at home and watch TV all day. And a lot of people do. And we'll never move into a place of growth, higher understanding, um, a, a deeper a deeper respect for one another, you know, like the mycelial network, like the underground, invisible ways that we need each other are go hungry and missing if we don't actively till that soil and recognize that we need to be one with each other, one with the land, one with water. I mean, like mm. look at the way the world is on fire right now because people are just like, I'm just going to drink my bottle of water and it's just me and it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like mm. we're all tied together. It all is connected. If we keep forgetting that, then we're going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Right? We want to get that. So does the way that that you're communicating this or that you're kind of disseminating this information look like art itself or is it more? It's both. Okay. It's, it's art in the music that I make. It's in the keynotes that I give. It's in the master classes that I, you know, do. It's in the way that I have facilitated workshops with corporations like Google and Pixar and at universities when I give speeches, like it's, all the ways that I do these things. And it really um, needs to go beyond me. It needs to go beyond me to inspire you. So the goal is not for me to be some, you know, pundit head sitting on top of a mountaintop and blah, blah. It really is about like, how am I going to get you like fired up and ready to go and write a song or write? So I do a, do I do a class at the California Jazz Conservatory called, you know, Songs in the Key of Freedom. It's all about protest music and how protest music moved social justice movements. Mm. And like looking at all the different elements that go into why a chant when you're marching is effective for bringing people together, why mm. it's important to do those little things so that you can have that connectivity, so that you can have that desired found family, like in the span of 30 minutes. Like you, I don't know if you've ever been on a march before. I'm sure you have done some kind of. No, I've been to a vigil. I don't think okay, I've ever a vigil. Been. So even at a vigil, there's mm. even a moment when you light candles, even a communal moment of silence, a communal mm -hmm. prayer or song share mm -hmm. there's a way that hormonally and this is very interesting evolutionarily speaking there's something to do with hormones before you know when monkeys like groom each other that's how they create larger family structures and it isn't just mom and dad and baby so our grooming of one another is through sound and song it it boosts mm -hmm. our oxytocin it causes all of our happy hormones in our bodies to elevate this is a fact 100% fact. And that's how we kind of come together and you feel one with newfound family members, strangers that you didn't even know when you're singing together, when you are in a prayer structure together, that's churches and you go to these places. And, you know, since people don't, all, since most folks don't go to a quote unquote church structure anymore, if you're doing something communally, 
involving singing, involving everyone knowing the same chant, everyone playing the same riff. There's a, a buildup of your oxytocin and everyone feels loved, connected, seen, soothed, secured, all those things in Maslow's hierarchy of needs that we all need. You get that boost, that hit, and that allows us to not want to cause harm to you because you and I have right. been in community with one another. We have sung communally together. We have hung out. We have broken soul bread, to so to speak. And that's very important when you're trying to prevent war, <laughs> trying to get people to not hurt each other. And, and more than that, really build bridges and connect and create together. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. It is so easy for people to not humanize each other, which is, which is, in, which is strange because now we are seeing more of each other. I think maybe it's becoming harder, but I don't know, because then you can also shift the media to dehumanize somebody. So it, it seems like it would allow both, but what you were saying that, that made me think of some, uh, a concept that I've been, been sort of chewing on for a while is this, when, when you're talking about songs in the key of freedom of, the the use of music being more than just a performance art in other words like yes, more than honey. just look at me i have a great voice oh, right exactly yeah. yeah but that it's like there's a psychological you know uh, benefit to writing a song even if you're not yes. gonna sing it for yes. millions of people or there's a psychological benefit to singing together as you were talking about or hormonal yes. and you know so many benefits True. yeah are you a singer I am a singer. Yeah. Whoa. Do tell, do tell. How do you you feel that kind of euphoric connection when you are sharing a song and people are moved by it or. Yeah. Well, and I started, actually, I shouldn't say I started out, but I sort of gravitated into my twenties, which is why I ended up changing my name towards mantra music. And so I would lead chanting. And so I. So you know what I'm talking about. Oh, honey. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So. When with that that call and response is so next level, powerful, gorgeous. I mean, I'm not sure what kind of uh, chanting that you did, but is it like Jaya Jaya Shiva Shambo? That kind of I've like done, I've done that. Yep, mostly like uh, in support of other musicians, and then mm. I've done my own chanting where it's just everybody does it together, mostly like we mm. all just sing together. Yeah, beautiful. So that's what's made COVID really hard. Like, I feel like I sing to my mm-hmm. plants, my dog <laughs> and my partner. And they're all like, enough, all right, I know. I don't know. <laughs> but it, I've missed being able to be in community and sing with other people and have that kind of, you know, joyous connection that yeah. you only get singing live. Because on Zoom, honey, it is not the same thing. At- no, no. So everything's out of time. I know. (laughs) You try to sing happy birthday. It's like happy, 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 happy. Birthday, 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 birthday. I I led a, I led a little chant concert or like a song, I guess, online. Um, Oh no, I led a few, but anyway, the one of them, which is when I realized this was the case is you, you like have everybody on and you're like, okay, we're going to all chant together. Oh, that's not going to work. Okay. I will chant. (laughs) I will feel your energy. (laughs) I will watch your mouths move while yeah. you are muted, right? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't advanced that um, 
that significantly in terms of like that <laughs> lagging but wouldn't that be cool that would be really cool if they figured it that would out. be there was there was a program called jamulus where you could for a minute try and like minimize the Ooh. delay like it was down to point 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 zero 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 but it's still not the same communal vibe you know it's yeah. not you know drumming together it's not singing together it's not like kumbayaing out you know yeah. yeah yeah the first time I ever experienced that actually was I was dating somebody who was in the old time music scene Ooh. and there's like a whole uh, library of music that all these people know that are like old time music right wow when you say old time what do you mean like give me that old time religion. yeah I guess it was like old time like um bluegrass oh that's what fun. they I think that's what they called it was old time but maybe uh -huh. maybe I'm just remembering that anyway yeah but it, you know like people play so we, we went to this one house party and there were like people you know playing together in like different rooms and it'd be like right. you know oh I know that song and they'd banjo you know <laughs> like right. violin like or yeah Appalachian you know like that that yes exactly that kind of thing yeah yes yeah wow. yeah I love that it's, but we don't we don't so much have it's, it's sort of that we don't have like a, a history of music like that that we're raised with, you know, you know, I, it, it's, it's, or so I didn't. well, you know, I think it's, I think it's again, f because I'm so hungry for it. Like I found, I was like, I'm, I'm going to join a Celtic rock band. I'm going to join a, you know, a chant said I'm going to do it. Like that kind of hunger allowed me to step into these different places, but you're right. I think here in this particular state is kind of a, a amalgamation of different countries and cultures that come together and you kind of have to seek it out. Mm. So I think the closest thing, depending on your traditions that I have is like, you know, everyone knows Christmas carols. There's like this, you know, and we're coming up on the holiday season, That's true. you know, everybody knows these things. And so you kind of sleigh bells ring, are you listening? <laughs> you know, everybody can chime in no matter whether you can hold a tune or not. You know <laughs> what you're going to sing. You know what's going to happen next. You can join a little carol band. But that kind of call and response, like uh, chanting that you were just describing, particularly chanting and drumming for me is next level euphoria. And so mm. that has been, you know, studying, you know, sacred ethnomusicology has been like, oh my gosh, it's been mm. all my things because it is, especially when you don't necessarily get caught in the meaning of the language, you can know that, you know, this chant is for calling in love. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of all I need to know. I don't need to know the breakdown of all the words like that can be in somebody's, you know, textbook slash, you know, uh, breakdown of it. But I, I want to get into the beauty of the the linguistics and how the words play with the rhythms and have it be this kind of trance-like state that I think that um, when you do that kind of chanting, that's the goal is to get to that euphoric trance state mm -hmm. where you can just be blissed out and just in music. Mm. And that's my favorite thing and favorite place to be yeah. surrounded and deeply immersed and enmeshed in sonic transport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so you are in dialogue with other cultures, country, like, do you, how, how does, what does that structure look like for you? Mm, so actually, we're actually planning an envoy coming up where we're going to be going to Vietnam, Thailand, and Laos. And we're going to be doing 
a song share cultural exchange on a programming called Two Rivers, where we're looking at life on the river here in the States along the Mississippi Delta and the ways that blues is formulated and jazz is surrounded by, you know, the ways that the Mississippi goes down in the Gullah Islands and all these different ways that river life and water mm. life shapes the culture and the music that you create. And similarly over there along the Viet Cong, along the different rivers that go through that particular region, how river shapes culture, shapes song, shapes life, and how global warming is destroying all of that. Mm -hmm. So trying to gather and share songs and um, pull together different ways that we in all of our traditions can be uh, song keepers and tradition keepers and, and griot grandmothers and hold those stories and weave those quilts together before they're lost because those traditions are gone. The song to the fishes, the dance to the fishes. The, they, and so working with different, um, I have a friend who is the executive director for a company called Company E and they're the National Contemporary Ballet Company for, again, the Foreign Services Institute. We all go through them to work with the State Department as cultural arts ambassadors. And we're going there and they're learning about, you know, the traditional dances for the song of the fish and we'll learn the songs and we'll teach them the songs about the Mississippi Delta and, you know, like weaving in all these different cultures so that we can all have not just an understanding of a larger song bank, but an understanding of what it means for you there mm. in your connection to water and me here and my connection to water. Wow. That's really cool. When you <laughs> began this project or it was like a seed, was this like a concept that you had and then you had to sort of draft a proposal? And is, is that how that works? Totally. Yeah. No I'm like kind of, yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. You totally intuited it. That's exactly right. You kind of think, um, I mean, because since justice across the board is, you know, woven in the fabric of my being, you know, I have activist parents and they were mm. also scientists and doctors and we would go in every March and we were always like, yeah, I like the power, but larger than just social justice, looking at environmental justice and looking at how, that plays into racial justice, right? Like food deserts and mm. places that are ghettos that they only can buy food from a gas station or a right. liquor store. Like that's just right. insane, right? right? So how do we, and then, and not having access to fresh water. So I do a lot of work. I'm on the, I have been on the boards for Voss Water and working with mm. um, people in Sub-Saharan Africa, the girls on the water trail and how all of these things weave together. And when you have your fingers in all these different pots when you pull together a proposal for something that you're like I, we must talk about water how are we going to yeah. do this we got to talk about it here 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 oh great we haven't been there let's go there let's talk to them let's let's see who's excited to share in the in the conversation around water in this larger way hmm. so yeah wow. it's it's fun. It takes a minute yeah. but very important to do and then you kind of come back and share what you've gleaned through different um, performances, media pieces. It started out, you know, we went, the very first envoy that um, I went on was with the uh, UN and it was the Iraqi Amplifications Voices Project. And mm -hmm. what we did was we went to Syria, Lebanon and Jordan, and we spoke with Iraqi refugees and we talked to them about what they needed and how they were feeling. And there were different cultural arts ambassadors 
cultural arts ambassador of music. That was me. Cultural arts ambassador of dance. That was my friend. Cultural arts ambassador of journalism. There was somebody else. You know, like there were all these different ways that we were commissioned by the United Nations to go to these different places and talk to the Iraqi refugees that had, you know, run to Lebanon, run to Jordan, run to Syria and how they were feeling. And there was one particular place just to give you a taste of the impact of this and why this is more than just like a, you know, oh, fun, let's go sing over here. Like, it's not that at all. It really is about augmenting impact. So, uh, for example, we went to Lebanon and there was a woman that we were going to go talk to who was an Iraqi refugee. Her name is Salima. And we went into the space and she had no money for lights or water. And she lived in a house that was made out of cinder blocks. And it was the size of a 10 by 10 room. And there were five families that lived in this room that was 10 by 10. And they would have to rotate in and out. And so we were in this room with Salima. And she had no affect. She was just frozen in amber of PTSD. And so they kept saying to her, you know, the translator kept saying, you know, what the UNHCR representatives wanted to know, which was, what do you need? How are you doing? What's, you know, the, the protocol. And she just kept saying the same mantra over and over again. I have no memory, only sadness, no memory, only sadness. Like she was just gone. And so I realized, you know, words aren't going to do anything here. To crack through the chrysalis, you have to sing. So I started singing. And it's a lullaby from West Africa. She had no idea what language I was speaking speaking or what words I was saying. She felt the intention of love, which is why the beauty of the arts has an effect more than language. You know, you don't get caught in the hustle and bustle and the cobwebs of it. You can go straight to the intentionality and the ethereal essence of the love that I'm trying to convey. And so she looked at me and I kept singing to her and just singing to her. And suddenly, you know, one tear and I went over and I hugged her and then more tears. And then she starts wailing and wailing and I'm rocking her back and forth and singing to her and singing to her. And then suddenly she starts remembering and she starts telling all these stories about where she's at. She misses her children. She misses her grandchildren. She misses the date trees that hold the essence of all of these traditions that they're never going to do anymore because they're thousands of years old that got blown up. So they're not going to be able to do the traditional Mm -hmm. dance around the date palm that is for the newlyweds and, you know, like all the things and the ways that we forget. The wrath of war and cultural erasure, all of those things are held in these moments. And we were just thinking about numbers of how many people moved here, who got lost there, you know. The arts pulls it in a heartfelt space in a way that nothing else does. Numbers don't do it. Language doesn't do it. You know, it it loses that human connectivity. The arts is the fascia. It's the connective tissue that holds the whole thing together. And so that's the importance of this. That's why we do this. We do this work. I do this work. Mm -hmm. And I made this organization to continue to do this work, to remember that we are human and we're connected to one another through things seen and unseen, sound waves, heartfelt expressions, you know, ways that you can't, you know, define. It's just the is of the situation. So it's, calling your spirit to be beyond the ists and isms of our body wrappers and Mm -hmm. really remember the 
the true molecular essence, I am you, you are me, we are all one, even when we feel alone. That's mm. what we're talking about. Mm. That's yeah. Wow. That's really beautiful. I, I, I have this question as you're, as you're talking about this. So from like a policy perspective, I mean, we bombed Iraq, right. And then we're sending it. So is, is this like a, a common practice? Like when, when we are at war with the government, we send in the arts patrol to sort of soothe the, uh, is, is this sort of, cause I never learned about this in history. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There's something called, you know, cultural diplomacy. So mm. when we're trying to heal the wounds and keep kind of international peace, it's more than just dropping food overseas. Yeah. It's about weaving in the connective strands where we remember and honor each other on a larger, deeper level. And so, yeah, you bring in the arts patrol, honey. That's exactly how to say it. We sound like, let's make it into a cartoon. Like Paw Patrol, <laughs> arts patrol. Dun -dun 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 -dun. Yeah, totally. That's I'm exactly it. I'm going to teach you to dance. I'm going to teach you to dance. Hey, don't drum, drum it away. <laughs> I got to tell you, when I was in Palestine, this young boy, you know, I was doing, this is so hilarious. Like, there's another funny story. So it was the first, like, Palestinian idol. I don't know why they decided they thought that would be cool to do with all of these, like, but these refugee camps, right? Okay, so that that part. The first oh. part, yes. The second part, no, no. You didn't think about it through. So I was brought overseas as a celebrity arts judge, right? Okay, so I'm there. And before I get there, you know, I'm coming in to do some master classes and to help them not lose their voice. Just, just so I just put to put a pin in it, just so I understand, this is the Palestinian idea in the refugee. Okay. No. No. This is the in, so in Palestine, you know, everywhere has an embassy, right? Okay. So our ambassadors and the embassy there. In this Palestine, is the American idea. Got exactly. it. Okay. Yes. Okay. No, well, that was a good clarification. <laughs> a good clarification, right? Okay. Okay. So, and, and again, it's it does speak to like awareness, right? <laughs> like we have to step out. Like, oh, it'd be so cute if we'd sit on a show, you know? Like it's. <laughs> That's gonna be They've been through a little bit here, yeah. Right, exactly. Like, <laughs> hmm, exactly. So anyway, I get there. I'm teaching them, you know, how to not sing in their throat. Da 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 da. And there was one teenage boy. He was fierce, but he was very. He was always, you know, scoping me out. I was like, well, all right, let's go. I got you. I ain't scared of you. Let's go ahead. I'm gonna break you down, baby. You're gonna love me by the end, right? <laughs> so, at the end, he comes up to me and he says, "Sit on me." Sit means ma'am. He said, um. You teach me how to drum, not bomb. Now I want to drum and not bomb. So unbeknownst to me, this boy was training to become a unibomber, honey. And the drum. And his love that he eventually came for me was more inspiring to him than bombing anything. Oh. That's the goal, man, right there. Yeah. I want you to to prefer. I told him, I was like, y'all need to send all kinds of drums. Send them, send them thousands of, do a drum drop. You gotta do the drums because that is it. You know, the way that you can express your anger and your frustration mm. can either go drum or bomb. Let's mm. pick drum. Yeah. And all you need is somebody to guide that hand. Like, yes, that's possible. Let's pick drum instead. Mm. What does that mean? What does that look like? You need to have somebody on the ground to help instill the desire, the inspire the desire to want a drum instead of bomb. Wow. Wow, that's really cool. I can't make it up. It's true. Do you know how long this sort of arts patrol, <laughs> do you know how long this has existed throughout 
like you know the foreign services institute has always had kind of like a cultural arts ambassador like a cultural arts affairs officer so there's always been a cultural arts department and so they've done different ways different places do different things mm. different years you know mm. um i've been to kazakhstan more times than i can even count to do different things for like voice of the world like really bringing together singers to remind people for, about that part of the world it isn't just about oil it isn't just mm. about marble it isn't just about destruction and despair it really is about a very rich cultural you know hotbed of singers honey they are fierce mm. and so we go and we do these kind of exchanges and it's fantastic and so they teach me songs I teach them songs and we build bridges that way and people are like oh Kazakhstan I never heard of it before what is it you know you start people asking they start looking it up where is it what is it what do they do who are they from? that kind of curiosity to not have the us America versus international world it's very important for us to kind of broaden our field of scope and understanding about what it means to be part of a globe not mm -hmm. just part of america so, well on that front is is there uh an effort to sort of bring other americans with you who maybe wouldn't have access to world travel or understanding other cultures or like, yes is that so i bring it? i bring lots of musicians over there with mm -hmm. me yeah so when we're going to uh thailand and vietnam and uh laos we're going to be bringing um about 12 cultural arts musicians there's going to be dancers and musicians a trumpet player a piano player some drummers some bass players and then we partner with musicians there mm -hmm. so it isn't just us on stage playing to them they learn our songs we learn their songs and we all do all of it together oh that's so cool it's fun yeah yeah wow i was gonna ask you in in the beginning and we kind of got past it but now that we're um again i'm reminded what because we're talking about we were talking about communication in the beginning have you mm -hmm. learned anything from going to other countries about like best practices for communication communicating with people yes. whose cultures you might not be as aware of as your own uh see thank you and that's such a great <laughs> question and you would be surprised how you i could count on these many fingers how many times people ask that very pertinent question which is how do you communicate in a new culture when you go mm. to a new place? Okay. Mm. Step one, the embassy is like, here's your dossier, read and learn. Step two, when you land, we go straight to the embassy and they're like, here are the cultural norms here. Yes mm. to this, no to that. Yes to this, no to that. And those cultural norms are dictated by people who live there in country that can say to you, yes to this, no to that. So it isn't just something that we've concocted out of some old encyclopedia of, you know, whatever. Step number three, when you misstep, not if you misstep, when you misstep, and we all need to know that. First of all, pencils have erasers. Let's just be clear. That's part of the name of the game. That's part of the learning process is that when you misstep, make a mistake, whatever, however you want to couch it, you ask for clarification. Mm -hmm. You ask for forgiveness. You ask for these things because you're learning and you come at it with an open, humble heart. And so, you know, when I go to Abu Dhabi and they say women have to walk six feet behind a man, I could be like, and another thing, fight the power of women. You know, like I'm very much so like every woman has rights. But there, 
we learn to be in conversation and in dialogue about it. So when I misstep and I am walking side by side somebody and I'm reminded gently that I'm not allowed to walk next to them, I apologize. And then nine times out of 10, who I'm walking next to is like, it's okay. Just come on. <laughs> you know, like like even they're over the the norms there. Like mm. it's it's such a flex and flow thing. And it really does, at the end of the day, the core element is to be in a place of radical imagination and open understanding and desire to want to connect and not just be like, oh, follow the protocol, step two, A, B, you know, like right. it's it's so much bigger than that. And if you go there haughty and, and I know what I'm doing, you know, if you have big ego about it, you will get stepped on. If yeah. you are open and willing to Aikido and be humbly nimble, you'll be all good. Hmm. <laughs> Have you ever had anything really surprising like happen or do you have any fun stories about that? (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. This is a good one. Okay. So Palestinian idol, we're back in Palestine. Palestinian idol. I just love it. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So next level. So I'm there and, you know, we're doing the whole, like getting to know everybody and mind you, there's cameras everywhere. They're all following me everywhere I go. Like, it's just because it's that the first one that's ever happening. So they're following me, they're filming me. And I'm like trying to do this vocal exercise. And you as a singer, you know, like kind of throw the ball, the invisible ball to the next person. You make a big circle. And so you say zip, zop, zip, zop. You play zip, zop. Okay. Ready? Zip. I, I don't remember. Zop. Don't you do this too? Yeah, you yes, exactly right. Yeah. You do the hand thing and you can switch the direction of the invisible ball okay. by saying zop versus zip, 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 zop, 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 zop. You, like you change okay. the direction oh according to saying zip. A long zip, time ago. Okay. Well, in their language, I, I started doing this thing. I started doing I'm doing zip, zip, zip. And the none of the girls are playing. They're not saying anything. They're just kind of throwing the ball and the invisible ball. And the boys are like, zip, zip. They're very into it. And I was like, well, maybe it's like a gender thing. You know, maybe girls here are more demure. You know, different places have different ways that, you know, are acceptable for women to behave. All of a sudden, I see the translator running from across the auditorium. Comes flying up to me. This is all on the news live that watching me do this. And she says to me, sit on me can you pick another word and I was like of course what's going on she said zip means male genitalia and I was like oh oh, 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 oh." no wonder the boys are like you know like they're so excited to be shouting dick 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 like oh (laughs) who is the age like girl, so it was like from twelve to seventeen. So they were like extra, like <laughs> oh my like, god. And I, and I turned to them all, and I was like, "You couldn't help us out, huh?" You couldn't help us. <laughs> oh, it was really funny. For all right, pie in the face. I got you, American. Ha ha ha. Let's go. Right. So then I'm like, but it's that kind of banter. I could have easily like run and hidden and cried and oh the horror. Instead, yeah. it's like. You're right. That's hilarious. And I'm a, I got you now. I got you now. Oh, you run a play like that? Okay. Let's, we're gonna do these scales for the next two and a half hours. Mark said go. <laughs> oh, we're gonna, I'm gonna get you back. Right, exactly. But it's that kind of like joie de vivre you have to have. You know, it's I think it's important 
not just with respect to international interactions, but here in the States as well, you know, like I was just talking to some friends, you know, I live in San Francisco. And so there's a lot of reimagining and relearning, you know, gender. If you're non-binary, you say they, them. And like, it's very much so a part of the new conversation. Mm -hmm. But a lot of folk, my family is from, you know, the South, honey. So they're not trying to hear all that, do all those changes. And it's causing an unnecessary tension. If somebody Mm -hmm. is a they, them, just say that. Like why Mm -hmm. it's got, how often are you going to refer to them gender first anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Most of the time it's by their name, but you have to be open and willing and excited by people self-defining and shaping and expressing like Mm -hmm. that to me is the larger goal, the desired outcome for us to connect in a way that is allowing that kind of interactivity as opposed to like, yes, now rules, binary thought. I think that the resistance and maybe you have a different perspective on this, but for for me, what I'm, I'm seeing is the resistance to the, they, them, or even he, if you're biologically not, and you know, that vice versa is, has to do with also the person knowing that if they don't, they're going to get canceled or they're going to get, so there's like this like defense, like you're not going to, you know, silence me. And so like, I think we, we have to soften in both. Totally. I think that, you know, our cancel culture is really strong and that is, you know, people are quiet quitting. There's silent shaming, like all of that Mm. stuff. It's just like seriously corny. Like, can we not, you know, and I think that people, and I think that this is where social media gets really tricky. Like, it's very easy to anonymously, you know, shout from your Facebook window, shame on you, you whippersnapper, get out of the mile on. You know, like people get out their anger and their frustration, you know, through cancel culture and yeah, cancel yeah. culture is they very need easy. A drum. <laughs> they need a drum and they need for it to not be so anonymous. Like, it's very mm. easy to like yell and scream at somebody as like twitter handle you know bebop zuabadop number 607 you know nobody knows who you are and you can just spew all kinds of grossness into the world um without feeling any accountability to it and i mm-hmm. think that that needs to shift I, if you had my name my face and my phone number and i would be a little more careful to be like rah, rah, rah. like it's <laughs> it's something yeah. to be to think about yeah I wanted to ask you because we have a few more minutes. Do you want to mm-hmm. share about your near-death experience? <laughs> That's really intriguing to me. Yes, and it will not get handled in a few more minutes, but I will give. You- <laughs> <laughs> well, take as much time as you need. How about that? Well, let's let's <laughs> also do this that you know you can hear the full scoop de doop on my TED talk called "Dare to Be Dauntless." Ooh, be- okay. I will name. share a link. Yes. And I will put in the chat afterwards, dare okay. to be dauntless. It's a TEDx talk okay. uh, at, in New York. And um, this is, this is very much so apropos to what we're talking about. So I went to a music festival. It was right before I was about to go back into medical school and keep on going. And I was there and I was waiting to go into the concert. And there was a whole line of people that were in their cars and you know like we were all doing the things and um they hadn't opened the, the gates yet and i saw this field of purple flowers and i love purple and i love flowers so i was like Ooh-hoo! and i was wearing my very proudly freshly tie-dyed shirt that said flower child on it so i was like well <laughs> man you know like i'm like ready to go in there so i'm sitting in a field of flowers and i hear people shouting rah, 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 rah. 
but people were playing ultimate frisbee i have no idea how to play that game but you know i figured maybe someone made a frisbee goal i don't know so i'm looking to see why everyone's shouting and they're looking at me and i'm like oh maybe the goal is behind me so i turn around and wham, i get hit by this big truck filled with five boys who interestingly enough i saw in the bar as i was driving to the festival i saw them all in the bar and i remember looking and then you know that kind of like weird moment like hmm for some reason this moment has like slowed down you know like that very like uh, cinematic like you're like why am i paying so much attention to all right and then life speeds up again and you keep moving but that was that moment and i saw them and they ran me over and I remember they they dragged me. They Sorry. drove through a field or were you? No, no, no. I was nowhere near the road. We have aerial shots. So what? And they had done I'm this. I interrupt you, but I'm just not understanding. No, let's, so let's start again. <laughs> there, they had, this was their fourth attempt at murder. So they had done a reggae sun splash had happened there a couple of weeks before. They ran over two women there again off the road like they are active it oh kid. okay this was not like a drive by this was not like an uh, accident this was a oh no this was not a whoopsie this oh, was an no. intended hate crime and everyone that they were targeting were african-american women so here i am sitting in a field of flowers thinking how cute and how cute at blah 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 and i turn around and they hit me and they i they drag me 86 feet on a gravel road i'm rolling under the truck i get lodged between the wheel and the exhaust and it causes the the van to stop and they back up and they're getting ready to run me over again to keep going and now all of the women who were in line to go to this festival surround this van and they start they're banging on the van and they're screaming and yelling and the guys are afraid to come out for their lives i'm consolidating the story as opposed uh, to like going from my perspective yeah the whole picture since we don't have much time but apparently they tell the cop who I hear, you know, say, I was afraid for my life. And the police officer that was called said, that's all right, boys, one less N-word in the world is fine with me. Oh, yes, honey. And then let them go. Now, mind what? you. Oh, yeah. They got to drive away. One of them was the mayor's son, honey. Again? You mean, oh, like, yeah. how many oh. times have they done this? Four. This was the fourth time. And the only reason that they got caught was because when I got to the hospital, the FBI had been notified that now this is a, a killing spree. Like there's must be some kind of critical mass number that is not one time whoopsie, two times whoopsie, three times whoopsie. No, this is number four and something needs to be done about it. So anyway, while I'm under the truck before the cops come, I start to die. And I, I see this, you know, these, this, these sparkly balls, you know, like when you pull your socks out of the dryer mm. and they have all these like sparkles, you know, like the electrostatic electricity, uh-huh. they're pulling this luminous white gauze off of my body. And it looks like it, 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 that luminous gauze pulling it off my body. And I know that this is my spirit. And I'm like, oh my God, I am dying. I cannot die out here. My mother will kill me. Like, you know, like all the things. <laughs> can't die my mom will kill me that's great (laughs) (laughs) totally and like of course like all of my catholic upbringing was like ah i lied on my driver's license am i going to hell like you know like oh my like my brains all my brains (laughs) go crazy and so i remember this is so random but i don't know 
how old you are or if you remember this movie from the 70s called flash gordon i don't know if that flash rings a bell i know the name of it no i'm not i'm 83 that's okay yeah um there's a scene in flash gordon where they're trying to suck the scientist's mind blank and the way that he maintains his sense of identity and self and doesn't die is by singing songs from his childhood. So I'm like, I've got to sing a song from my childhood. So I start thinking that like lists start streaming in front of my eyes. Like, um, okay. Yellow submarine. Um, I don't know all the words. Um, um, and I'm like trying to like all the Beatles songs run down all the Stevie wonder songs, all the Marvin Gaye songs. Like I'm trying to pick a song to sing all the way through so that I won't, die and yeah. lose myself and then all of a sudden as I'm trying to think of a song from far away and mind you now I'm underneath the truck but the truck is gone in this moment where that I'm in I'm in this limbo yeah. state I see this figure come towards me with these arms that moved like water and her whole body was pitch 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 black pitch black but like with stars and like cosmos in it and her hair was really long and it was dark blue and it was waving like this and she came up to me and she laid on my side and she wrapped her arm all the way around me and she was stroking my face and she was going just relax just let go just relax just let go and I turned to her and I'm like and and her energy she felt like all the grandmothers of the grandmothers of the grandmothers of the grandmothers like just and I turned her and I was like, make them put that thing back. I can't die out here. Like I'm pleading my case. And she was just relaxed, just like, oh, just relax. And then I I did. I I stopped breathing and I, you know, left my body. And, you know, they talk about when you leave your body, you go over the scene and you, you fly up. And I flew up to the clouds. And they talk about you go to a light of your understanding. And so, like, when I was a child, we would do a lot of traveling. You know, my parents did a lot of um work in Africa as as physicians and scientists. And so oh. we did a lot of traveling um, and they would book tickets at night. So we, I, I'm very used to like looking out of a plane window as the sun is setting at these big billowy clouds. And that was my light of understanding. And so I went up into these big billowy clouds um, as the sun was setting. And I remember thinking, oh, I could, I could get used to this. This isn't so bad. I could just, it was just kind of quiet. And you know, you, you know, you hear like the ethereal music. I heard this beautiful song. I've come to find out later that it was a mashup of different languages, like Sanskrit and all these different things that means oh. from mother to mother God, right? Oh. So it was like this whole transition song that was being sung. And I was like, oh, this is actually quite fantastic. I could feel like the air going through me, like I was molecules, like I had. I was really one with the sky. It was beautiful. And the minute I got comfortable with it is when I went, zoo, 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 zoo. like I swirled back like Drano down the drain, back into my broken body. And it was like, <gasps> I took a breath and I couldn't breathe at all. And I had like, all my ribs were crushed into my lungs. I had a pneumothorax and I had a pneumothorax and my eyelid was peeled off and I had third degree burns on 70% of my lower body. My leg, I had a comminuted fracture from my right tibia and fibula that poked through my skin out, you know, broke my leg. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. All of these things, right? While I'm under the truck. And now I can see the truck go from dark to light, like through my bloody eyes. And it was three women, tiny women 
that lifted that van up with all of those stupid cockadoodoo heads still inside. And they pulled me out like adrenaline. Okay. So when you say they left, they didn't take the van. They just, no, I I did it. I'm sorry. I did a time warp back. Okay. Okay. After, after I had this whole near death experience under the van, they lifted the van, pulled me out, put the van back down. The cop came and the cop let them go. Yeah. No, no, they, they never came out. Wow. Chicken. They should have been scared. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But Did that, they, were there ever any consequences for them that you know? Yes. They found them. They, we went to trial and they didn't serve even one day in community service, even though we had all the evidence against them. It wow. ruled in my favor. They, they filed for bankruptcy. I never saw a cent and they never did any time. Justice. Okay, but but that's like an attempted murder. They didn't. That it wasn't their first strike either, but they couldn't prove anything. There was nothing that could prove them connected to the other ones. Wow. Or, you know, plus it was the mayor's son, girlfriend, like all the levels of injustice strike these chords. Which is why I tell this story as often as possible. So people really understand that it's more than just a George Floyd fight the right, right, right. This is like people that are still walking right. around right. every day, experiencing the wrath of systemic racism. Mm-hmm. What made them think that I was disposable like that? What makes them think that anyone's disposable like that? You don't have a right to people's lives like that. But our society doesn't honor life like that. They make games for little children to learn to shoot other people. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, how do we interrupt that? If we don't get you a drum, how do we get you to learn not to bomb? Hmm. Hmm. That's the Inspired Artist Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when you have a... An experience like that where you feel literal oneness I'm imagining that's what you're describing that is exactly right sister does that give you a different feeling about those people than it does me hearing about it yeah it did you know and it's funny too because (laughs) every time you know the as the doctors are cycling through I've got you know the the internal doctor, the, you know, the, the ones working on the skin, the ones working on the bones, the ones working on the organs, the ones, everybody's coming in, rotating through to see me. And the, one of them was the psych department. And they were like, all right, whenever you're ready to talk about your anger, you know, we can <sighs> talk, as I'm lying in traction and I can like barely move two fingers and there's tubes everywhere. And I was like, you know what? I don't have time right now to be angry at them. I have to get out of here. Like yeah. I have one, this is a unifocused situation. Yeah. It's all me, 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 baby. And it took a minute after I got out of the hospital to realize that the way that I could survive was to forgive. I had to yeah. forgive. I can't carry that with me. The universe will take care of them. That is not for me to have to worry about, handle, hold. Yes, that was effed up. Yes, shame on you. Yes, you should have served some time and paid some money. Yes, to all those things. And yes, it's not for me to carry at all. And so the way that you lay your burdens down is through love and forgiveness. So I send them light, love and forgiveness all the time. Because it will be reflected back to me. And mm-hmm. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that that's the only way. You talk about karma, 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 chameleon. That's how you do it, honey. Y'all take care. 
let your own spirit will 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 handle what you need to have handled yeah i get to weave it into my story and my tapestry in a new way yeah Mm, that's beautiful yeah and if you did send them hatred it would have stalled your own healing physical i'm assuming right exactly and story's not going away what would i mean that would fuel them even more right yeah they would have won to a certain degree they would have taken more than that moment for me they would have taken my life mm. oh. like a boo-boo you can't do that they, yeah. they that's not it's not for them i'm not giving yeah. them that yeah wow yeah. was how long ago was that last lifetime baby <laughs> it was a lifetime ago truly a lifetime you ago. feel that oh Are yeah you able to I tap feel like in? It's, it's a new chapter like punk like there was pre, now mm-hmm. there's next level. Mm-hmm. BC, AD. <laughs> this is definitely AD. Wow. For real. When, if, are you able to tap into that feeling? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I absolutely feel like there is an opening that happens for people that have gone through a near-death mm-hmm. experience. There's a way that I see things and like connectivity. You could call it intuition. You could call it psychic awareness. Or you could just call it like, ah, I see the threads that tie together in the cobweb of the cosmos. Mm. That is the thrill of AD, honey. Mm. (laughs) When you're in the AD portion of the program, you're like, ah, yes, I see. I see, I see, I see. Yes, I will go this way because I see, I see, I see. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself in this episode, I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Um, do you want to share with everyone how they can get in touch with you or find out more about you, yes. follow what you're doing? Yes, please. You can check me out um, on my Facebook at uh, Michaela Gaston. You'll have all these proper stuff. I will. I'll have it in the show notes so they can just click Great. on it. Yeah. And I'm having my website finalized now, but then you'll be able to go to amakayla.com. And um, I could send you some music tracks or whatever, and you can... Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, I'll put that at the end here. So stay tuned for listening to that.
podcast y'all please like subscribe rate comment whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on offers you as a way to let its algorithm know that you're enjoying these episodes that really helps also there's some links in the podcast description notes that allow you to support the podcast in a way that benefits you and us so please check those out and if you'd like to stay in touch with me You can sign up for my mailing list at portersinger.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.